Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. So the song we just sang it really sets the tone of what I wanted to say. If you, if you think of each, each line, it said, um, uh, open my heart, open my eyes, open my ears. And then and what, it, what, what each line was saying, open my heart, eyes, and ears to what? To what you hear, to what you see, right? Who's the you there? Is God or Christ? And then he says, my feelings make it unclear. I mean, I'm always being distracted. And so what I was wanting to just share for about 20 minutes or so here, and my 20 minutes can be, you know, it's Fiji in 20 minutes, so it could be 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you look cold, so I bet you're going to... Oh, yeah, I'll go a little bit faster. Um, is based on some of the things that Matthew was saying last week where he was saying that our, our holiness is rooted solely in Christ's holiness, and, and everything we, we do is centered around him. Now, here, here's what not only our culture does, but every culture I've been in has this tendency to, to have a religious day where I do some religious things, and I feel good about myself because I feel connected to God during that religious ceremony. And then Monday comes, or even Sunday as I leave, a church building comes, and my whole my life changes, my attitude changes. Where where I you know it's kind of funny. I, I've seen people in churches, and I'm not a highly emotional person, so I'm not putting I'm not making fun of anyone with high emotions. But they will be lifting their hands and you just you look at them as they're singing and you think, I think I wish I could feel that whatever they're feeling. They're they just seem so connected to God. And then they leave and they're they're fussing at their husband or something. And I'm going, hmm, uh, what did that what happened that changed their their feelings that changed everything? Did not what they were doing in that corporate worship affect their lives on Monday, on Tuesday, on the way home? And sadly, no. We have this, this tendency to turn on religion, turn off religion. And so one of the things that has been my theme forever, uh, for a long time, is that Christ in us is an everyday experience. It's what we do every moment of our lives. And so holy, what Matthew was sharing last week, doesn't mean being a sinless person, but it means life in Christ, whatever life in Christ is. And that takes your whole life to find out what that means. So this hit me really hard a few years ago when I was preaching through 1 John. I was preaching through First John. I thought it was, there's five chapters. I thought it was going to take me five or ten lessons. <laughs> Seventy. I preached 70 lessons in First John. 
because the more I got into it, the more I saw how Christ-centered that, that message was. And so life in Christ is, is, and this is what 1 John actually says, it's reality. What is real? We say, well, this is real. Uh, acorns falling down on us is going to be real. The, the weather around us is real. This is real. And, and what the Bible teaches us is reality is the spirit. That is, that is real. So over in Ephesians, it, it says something uh, like, we live in the spiritual realms. This is where we are right now. We say, no, we're outside. Uh, uh, what, what do you call this? So, church, church under the oaks or something. This is where we are. And, and the Bible says, no, reality is a spiritual reality that you are actually in, but your feelings may not be connected to it. And your visual thing, your visual physical uh, uh, eyes may not see it, but you are actually living in the spiritual realms. That's, that's what he says. And so this is where the book of John talks about this, and a little bit in First John, this is our abode. This is where we abide. If you abide in me and I in you, remember that? Jesus said that. That word abide means make your home. This is your home. This is your abode. This is where you live. So you live in this, this uh, what, what Paul calls, in Christ. You are in him, which is a strange thought, but as it were, in him. And this life in Christ is a life of learning. It's a life of always finding out more. It's a life of changing. I am changing. I see I'm acting this way. I'm relying on my feelings, as that song was talking about. And my feelings seem very, very real. But the Bible tells me something else. And so which am I going to choose, this, this feeling of reality or this reality? And we're going to see a few things in a moment uh, that the Scripture tells us. We live in a spiritual battle. We, you know, I haven't been wounded. Uh, there's no blood on me right now. There might be in a moment <laughs> for that gunshot. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm in a battle, but the Bible tells us you are in a constant spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle going on, and you are involved in it. It's not just uh, angels and demons out there doing stuff, but it's, it, you are involved in the spiritual battle. This is, this is life in Christ. Life in Christ changes the way we think, and it changes the way we act. So this is a whole process of the way we change our thinking. Now, here's our problem. We often and easily get distracted by many, many things. Gunshots in the distance, <laughs> uh, acorns falling, uh, the, you know, the, the, if it's cold, uh, on and on. Someone moving, uh, uh, the, the way the, the, the preacher is dressed or not dressed or whatever. You know, all these things are so distracting to us and it's so easy. And the culture is always around us distracting us from all these realities I just mentioned. And so over in 2 Corinthians, I'm going to be in, in Luke chapter 12, but I'm going to read one passage from 2 Corinthians. Over in 2 Corinthians, he says in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of Christ, this knowing about Christ. And he says, and we take captive every thought uh, to make it obedient to Christ. And so he says, what our goal is, what we're trying to do is every thought is like a battle. We have to take captive, take it captive and make it obedient, make our thinking obedient to Christ. 
And so we go into Luke chapter 12, and I just want to, I'm going to almost do this whole chapter, believe it or not, so I'm not going to go to in any depth at all. But Luke chapter 12 is a, 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 is, is, um, is a neat setting, okay? We're, we're in this setting, and we're going to try and put ourselves in here a little, and at the very beginning, we're going to see Jesus involved in some deep thinking and deep teaching, and we're going to see a distraction, all right? And so in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands were gathered, so that they were trampling on one another. So you can see this huge crowd. They're bumping into each other. It's a, it seems to be somewhat of a big mess. And it says, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. All right, then as he speaks here, there are four deep teachings, and we're not going to go to any depth on any of these, but there's four deep teachings uh, going on. And each of these we could study deeply, and each of these we're going to say, I'm not sure what Jesus is saying here. I'm not really sure what he's saying here. And that, that's true with even after I've read this passage a lot and, and even studied it to some degree, I still think, I'm not sure what Jesus is saying. And it's very short. Each one's very short. Let's look at each one. So in the first one, he says, be on your guards against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So right away, I know what he's talking about, about being a hypocrite. All right, so that's the subject here. But then listen to what he says here that makes you kind of like, what? He says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what has been whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Okay, I, I think I can understand something about that. That's not, it's not too hard, but what, what specifically is he talking about? He's talking about the gospel. Is he talking about my life? If he's talking about the things I've done in secrets, someone's going to yell from a rooftop about my those things. I don't see. You start asking questions. You start thinking. Hmm. So imagine yourself. You're one of the disciples. There's a, thousands of people around. They're bumping into each other. Jesus is mainly talking to maybe the twelve and maybe a few more. There were seventy disciples at one time there, and so he's talking to you. And you're going, huh? I wonder what he means by that. And then he says, I tell you, my friends, and that's really neat because Jesus calls them friends here. He didn't. Hardly ever called them friends, except John, what was it, 15, he said, I'm going to call you friends from now on, but here he calls them friends. Do not be afraid of those who killed the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing of the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your hair, head are all numbered, even mine. <laughs> Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Okay. If you're sitting there, if you think for a minute, he says, Don't be afraid of those who will kill you. Okay, I get that. And then he says, I'll tell you who you should, you should be afraid of. The one who can cast both body and soul. I think Matthew says body and soul. Uh, throw into hell. And then he says, And... Don't be afraid because God loves you. You know what I mean? He, the, what? <laughs> Hold it. You said, don't be afraid of people who kill you. Got it. And then is he saying, don't be, but be afraid of God who can throw you into hell. Or he didn't really say God. Did he mean the devil there? Maybe. I don't know. And then he says, 
but don't worry. God knows how many hairs you have on your head. So he's, he, he has to keep a running count on my head uh, and probably most people's too. And he says, even a sparrow for two pennies that you can buy five of them, they're hardly worth anything. And God, you know, knows about those sparrows. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Hold it. Okay. You see how I'm saying it's a little deep when you start thinking? And you go, hmm. And then he goes on to say, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, will, uh, the Son of God will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me will, uh, before men will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. And anyone, But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy uh, Spirit will not be forgiven. Oh, my goodness. If I've had one question that's asked me over and over, over 45 years, is... Have I either, I think I have committed the sin against the Holy Spirit, I can never be forgiven, or I'm afraid I have, or do you think I have, or what do you think it is? And so here's another one. I mean, I, I understand the first part about acknowledging Jesus and, you know, don't, don't deny him, but then, okay, so what's he talking? So you, you get three of them right now. We have three head scratchers here. And he hits one, and he goes to the next one, he hits another one, goes to the next one, and then he says, and when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you say before the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Wow. And so I have to be prepared that when I'm brought before authorities, don't you know, just chill out because the Holy Spirit's going to teach me. I wonder what that's going to be like. So we have these four deep teachings we could take each one of these and explore them in depth. And so, and, and if you and think about Jesus is talking to all these people, thousands of people around, anyone can listen to him. This, he's focusing on his disciples. He's given these deep thoughts. And you'd want to maybe ask a lot of questions and you're thinking about them. But notice how easy it is to be distracted. The next verse. Someone in the crowd said to him, here, you're listening to Jesus teach deep things. And someone in the crowd raises his hand and says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like, haven't you been... What? He didn't say, uh, that Holy Spirit thing about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure I don't do that. Can you explain that a little more? Nope. He didn't say, you know, I, tell me about the Holy Spirit teaching me when I'm in front of people. I mean, all these things here. Uh, what, who, who, yeah, don't be afraid of God. Is he talking about God, Jesus, when, when uh, he can throw you in the hell, but, but don't worry about it because he counts the hair on your heads. Could you, you know, could you go do a little more of that, Jesus? Nope. My brother has cheated me. <laughs> Tell my brother to do something. Tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. Is See how distracted we are so easily. And we can make fun of that guy, but we do the same thing all, uh, uh, you know, all the time. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator between you? Now, let me ask you this. Is Jesus the judge? Yeah. And no. Right here he said, who... who who put, who put me in charge of making that decision? In other words, Jesus says, that's not my, I'm not going to do that. I'm not your judge in this case. And so in, in this case, he's saying, nope, I'm not going to judge on that. 
I'm gonna, we're going to put that uh, to the side. Um, we, we're, you, you, you are missing the point. Here we are. I'm sharing with you some deep thoughts, some things I want you to take home with you, some things I want you to, to really hold on to. And you've been sitting there the whole time thinking, I can't, I wonder if Colleen's going to make the pizza <laughs> or if she's going to save the pizza for the kids. I mean, we do things like that. I brought two pizzas. Is that what you're thinking about? I, I don't know. That's what came to my mind. All right. And so we we have this these distractions. When we I, while we sit here, we have distractions. And one reason is because God has given us a wonderful brain that can think faster than anyone can speak. You can speak, a fast speaker can speak three or 400 words a minute, but your brain goes at like several thousand words a minute. And so you have to fill up the empty space. And so what you do, you listen, you hear something I say, and it makes you go down a road. And if you're not careful, you're way down a road. You're in the Bahamas somewhere under a bee, you know, and then you go, how did I get here? And you come back. All right. And that happens all the time. And our brain just goes on. You might be stuck on the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit, and you're wondering about that, and suddenly you go, oh, hold on, I haven't been listening for a while. All right? And so that, that happens. Or you go to work and someone says something to you, or, or you're not feeling well, or you know, all these distractions that we have. And so Jesus, in the rest of this chapter, is saying, listen, I want you to pay attention because I don't want you to be so distracted. And we're going to just look at some of these responses very, very quickly. Um, if you look in verse 15, here's, here's his responses. Jesus is responding to a man who says, I've been ripped off. My, my brother stole my inheritance. Please do something about it. And let's... Let's assume that that was true. The guy had been cheated. Life is not fair. He, it was not fair. Something had happened to him. And Jesus says, okay, but I want, you to, I, want to make, uh, I want you to pay attention to what's really important. He says um, in verse 15, watch out. All right, this is, a, this is uh, some words that, that are really strong. Watch out. Uh, watch out, duck. <laughs> Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he tells a parable that we're often, we're, a lot of us are familiar with the rich man who built big barns and he died the next day. All right, thought he thought he had everything. And so he's, he's saying this, look, the first thing I want you to realize is life does not, is not based on material things. Material things are great. God, in fact, other passages tell you to enjoy material things. It's okay to enjoy things. But he says, that's not where your focus should be. Life is not based, it's not in the abundance of physical things that you have, material things you have. And yet, guess what distracts us? Material things. It's the material things that, that, that make us look away. We, we go into a, I don't know about you, Marcus, but we lived overseas, and when we came back, I don't know what South Africa is like, but Fiji was kind of crummy stuff, you know, not big stores or anything, and we'd come back to Walmart, and we would just have this 
this kind of we'd walk through all the aisles with our mouths open, just like like wow, look at all this stuff, you know. And it and it was it was fascinating. We never see anything there. If you see something in Fiji, you better get it if you want it because uh, it came on in on the last shipment and it probably won't come back again. You won't get that again. You can't wait till the next ship uh, comes. And so it, the the things around us are distracting. And yet I found the more I live with poor people in Fiji, the more I understand they are distracted by material things too. It, it, it's not like uh, there, there's a holiness in being poor. Yeah. You know, they're, they're poor, but they're distracted with physical things too. And they would be just as greedy. They are just as greedy as you are. Just because you have wealth doesn't mean you're greedy. Uh, poor people are just as greedy. And so he's telling a lot of poor people, I'm sure here, they didn't have a Walmart back then. He says, now, be careful. Life is not focused in material things. And then he goes on in verse 22. He tells that parable. He says in verse 22, therefore, I tell you, therefore, anytime there's a therefore, it's there for a reason. All right. And he's talking about what he just said. So he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And he's talking about your physical life, what you leave, what you put on, all these different things. He says it several times in this whole little section here. Don't worry about things. Um, Worry never helps. It always hurts. So Jesus is saying, don't focus on your life and don't worry about these things. And this word worry can be translated uh, anxiety. Uh, the word actually means in the Greece, Greek uh, pieces, all right, different pieces. In other words, he says, don't fall to pieces. <laughs> That's really what it means. Don't fall to pieces. And, you know, when we worry, what do we do? We fall apart. Our pieces fall apart. You know, we fall apart. And, and he says, don't, don't be that way. Don't fall to pieces. Uh, don't get pulled apart by uh, life around here. Don't be distracted. And instead, he says, instead, you have to focus on your faith. Look at verse 31 and 32. He says, but this is what you're supposed to do. Instead of worrying, seek first, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So that's what we focus on is the kingdom, not things and not being worried about food and clothes and all those things. He says, seek God's kingdom. Um, And then last in verse 35, he says, have an expectant attitude. He says, be dressed and ready for service and keep your Lamps burning like men waiting for their masters to return from uh, 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 from a wedding uh, from a wedding banquet. Um, he said, "This word uh, waiting means to be willing and ready and expected, and it's this attitude of welcoming, and it's an attitude of I can't wait till you come." All right, that's the kind of attitude he says. Have an attitude toward God that I can't wait till you come. You know, we, a lot of people are, I, I had a, a friend of ours in Fiji, a mission, actually a missionary friend, and she, she was talking to my wife and said, um, with, with all the, she, I, I think they were doing some study in Revelation, it was year 2000, and a lot of people were saying the Lord's coming in the year 2000, and I can tell you some funny stories about that, about the expectations about the Lord coming, because we, the first day, 
of the year of every day happens to feed you. So we would know the Lord came 2000 before anyone else <laughs> in the world. And there's a lot of funny things. And she says, aren't you worried? Aren't you afraid? Uh, talking to Julia about Christ coming. And Julia's like, uh, no, <laughs> you shouldn't be afraid either. You know, I mean, you're, you're sitting here sharing about God coming and everything, and there's nothing to, to be afraid of, about. So we have to have this, uh, this attitude, expected uh, expectation uh, of God coming in. Can't wait for him to come. And then notice Peter in verse 41. He says this, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or for everyone? And guess what Jesus says? He tells a story. All right. So Peter goes, uh, Jesus, is this for everyone or just for us? And then Jesus doesn't answer his question. He tells a story. And Peter's probably sitting there going, I think I asked you a question. <laughs> yes or no? That's all I wanted, you know. And he tells his story. And I think the answer that he's telling is Yes. This is for everyone because the story just says, who? Who is the faithful and wise manager? And it's always telling it to everyone. Are you a faithful and wise manager? Are you that type of person or not? And then in, in verse 48, to, to sum it up, right at the end, he says this. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted much, much more will be asked. And so he says, don't be distracted. What I'm getting from this, this chapter, he's saying, don't be distracted in your holy living. Don't be distracted by the world around us. And when I say holy living, I'm not talking about putting our hands up and saying a lot of prayers. I'm talking about all the things I stated before, the living in spiritual reality of Christ, having a life of living and learning and growing and changing, aware that I'm in a battle uh, spiritual battle, uh, changing the way I think, changing the way I act. That's all spiritual things. He says, don't be distracted. Don't let anything, let anything distract you from that kind of holy living. Don't let the world distract you. Don't let the things that are necessary distract you. It's necessary to eat, right? It's necessary to drink. You cannot live uh, very long without drinking water. I think I've heard it's three days. We cannot live very long without food. These are necessary things. And he says, God knows that you need those things. So don't worry about them. Don't uh, spend your focus uh, on the kingdom and what that means and, con and continue to focus on your life, your life in Christ and your growth in Christ. And then he says, look, you've been given much. That's what really what he's saying. If you are in Christ, You've been given much. And so I'm demanding this from you. He says, you've been entrusted with much. And he says, the one who's been trusted with much, much more will be asked. That's a responsibility. And so he says, don't be distracted by all the stuff around you, all the stuff. Just focus on the kingdom. Focus on life in Christ. And all those things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about it. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.